Jesus. That's the way it should be. And how many of you love your pastor and his wife? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we thank God for them and you and all the ministry staff and to the Altries that are doing just a great job over in Denellen. How many of you love them? Amen. The first of church plants. We thank God for them and uh, great leadership. Uh, produces great churches, and it is happening here. And, uh, amen, we thank God, first of all, for the bishop and mother's oversight uh, from the bishopric uh, to oversee and watch. And as I talked to them today, they have earned the right to do what they want to do. That includes nothing. And everybody said amen. Now, I can't ever imagine them doing nothing but just them being here. I talked to them today and tried to express the importance of just their presence. The devil knows them. Amen. And as long as they're breathing and living, the devil got to step back. Amen. And they're not done. Amen. But uh, amen. I talked to them, told them, we need y'all healthy. Now, especially mama. She's going to have to chill just a little bit. Hey, come on, somebody. Amen. We, 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 we need her a long time. Of course, I was poking at her. Uh, but y'all know what I mean. And so we thank God that it's all built to this moment where leaders are ready to continue leading at great levels and greater levels and greater dimensions. Your pastor has great visions for the next, if the Lord would tarry, next 20 years, great things happening. Walls getting knocked out. This expanding other churches and other cities, and that requires other leaders, and uh, that could be some of you, and uh, it may not be some of you, it may be some that aren't here right now, but that's immaterial, and you just look at somebody next to you and say, we're going to make this happen, we're going to make this happen, amen, how many years you all been here, 44 years, amen, 44 years, I'm inviting myself back to the 50th anniversary, hallelujah, I'm going to be here with hair lips of devil. Amen. And all of this 40 years has led us to this era and to this moment. And you need to high-five somebody next to you and say, I'm glad I'm here. Amen. And you have been a person. If you'll stand with me, turn to Matthew 19. And the last verse of that chapter is verse 30. You have also been a very personal blessing to me uh, in everything that is, good Lord, I just found a $100 bill in my suit coat pocket. in the preach now, boy, I'll tell you that. Hey, shot. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now. I don't remember putting no hundred dollar bill in there. Well, I'm giving you praise, Lord. I got one of them J.J. Bourne miracles right there. He, he was always finding money in his pockets that he knew wasn't there. I will not be taking my coat off tonight. Hallelujah. <laughs> Devil is a lie. Amen. Ain't no Judas in the house of God, is there? Hallelujah. Come on now. Oh, y'all let me play. But y'all been a great blessing to me and, and, and just getting to be here and hang out with crazy people and great church. It's been wonderful. Amen. And I can't wait to come back. Amen. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 30. 
Amen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Next chapter, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven are like unto a man that is a householder, which when he went, went, went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others at the eleventh hour standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne unto the burden, borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do these, do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with my own. Is thine eye evil because I'm good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called but few chosen. I want to preach uh, just for a few moments on what I believe is a very key ingredient uh, for sustained revival. And I want to title this, The Last Shall Be First. Amen. The Last Shall Be First. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this great church and this great moment of time that we have had together and are having together. We thank you for the many miracles that are happening and have happened. We thank you for the many that have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, your spirit that raised your own flesh from the dead. We thank you that within many in this building resides your spirit, the same spirit that moved on the face of the deep in the beginnings. And drew dry ground from the waters. We thank you, Lord, that it is the one spirit. It is your spirit. It is you that lives in us. And we thank you for it. And now we pray for an open door of utterance that the mysteries of the gospel of Christ can be preached and received. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Parabolic scholarship teaches when interpreting a parable... Common sense is needed. All things are not to be searched out word for word, but we must remain focused on the main object for which the parable was told and for which it is composed. What is the teaching? Why is he teaching it? And to whom is he teaching the parable to? We must be very careful not to overexpose in parables every detail of the parable or overapply the details or the main point is missed and the lesson overlooked in the details. Like the three lost 
things in John or yes in John where it's the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son uh, there's there's as the old bishop said the text is pregnant with preach but everything doesn't need to be preached basic points are something was lost something was found and somebody rejoiced uh, the, the shepherd rejoiced when he found the sheet the woman rejoiced when she found the coin and the father rejoiced when his son came home but also the shepherd went to somebody and said, would you rejoice with me? And the woman went to somebody and said, would you rejoice with me? And, and the elder brother is supposed to be the third part and that's the main point that doesn't work in the third parable is the dad can't find anybody or his own son to worship and rejoice with him. Uh, that's the three main points. There's a whole bunch of stuff. We can beat the prodigal to death and we can beat the elder brother to death and we can, you know... The woman lost the coin and you got to be more careful. But that's not the point of the parables. And really, if you read chapter, it's Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus is telling these three parables because he's dealing with Pharisees who murmur and say, look at Jesus sitting over there sitting down with sinners. And when Jesus realized what they were saying, let me tell you all a story. They don't get it on the first parable. They don't get it on the second parable. And they don't get it till he tells the third parable because the Pharisees are in the house. They are religious. But they don't know how to rejoice with anybody that found what they lost. So one of the keys to revival is, especially in the body of Christ, the church, which is global, is to remember from a God standpoint, when God looks down at us, he sees little Bellevue and it's like the head of a pin needle. And then he sees Ocala and all the other areas and Danella and all the other areas and God sees all of it. And when God sees all of it, he sees his body, which is the church. And the body has to nourish itself. Every joint is to supply nourishment to the edification of itself. Some nourishment we get spiritually comes from God. But then we also get other nourishment that only comes from each other because God nourished us. Amen. And so one of the greatest uh, things that has to happen is, is that we learn how to rejoice with each other when we find what we lost or when God blesses us. See, I can, how few hand claps we get. You know, and the... And the key to that is, is if we're praying for each other and God blesses them or i.e. answers your prayer, why would you be jealous? Let me just say it this way. You can't be envious and jealous of somebody you prayed prayed for that God would bless them. Because all God did was answer your prayer. So there's this horizontal effect that has to go on. Churches have to, I'm an, I'm an evangelist. Churches have to rejoice with each other. People have to rejoice with each other. Saints have to, amen, rejoice with each other. Part of the strength of the daughter works and congregations that you have started and will start is that they need you to rejoice with them. They may not pray 50 through this month, but they prayed five. And they need not just to, oh, well, give them precious, okay. Uh, they, they need you to rejoice with them because at that dimension they are, amen, it's as great as your 50. And then Danellen's got to rejoice without being jealous. And I need to preach this at camp meeting, amen. We could really have revival if we could just get our churches to rejoice with each other. But, you know, I'm just trying to help. We, uh, 
you know, amen, it's just the uh, worst thing you can do is put your staff. 15, get the Holy Ghost, you can get like three likes. <laughs> but you can get on there and talk about how bad the day is and, you know, how much hell you're going through and be like 3,000 likes. <laughs> we're, we're glad you're going through it and we like you going through it. <laughs> Right, but we can't, you know, we can't get, you know, we can't get anybody to rejoice very much with it. I told the bishop and mother today, Brother Ewing, one time was at his house. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he just loved people, loved churches. And a preacher called him one day that really wasn't in his close oikos, his group. He 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 was talking to Brother Ewing and asked some real surface questions, and he was getting ready to hang up, a little nervous. Brother Ewing said, "Bubba, Bubba, hold on, hold on, just a minute now." He said, "What town you pastor in?" He told him. He said, "Bubba." Tell me the last three greatest things the Lord's done for you. The preacher started crying. He said, well, Brother Ewing, be honest. That's why I called. He said, I broke into a little revival. And he said, I just, I just can't get anybody to be happy for me. And he said, it's probably not big you. Brother Ewing, of course, immediately went to cry. And he said, oh, Bubba. He said, I want to hear about all three miracles and I want all the details. And the man started telling him, Brother Ewing was crying. He's sitting there in his chair, weeping, talking in tongues. And, 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 and the man, he said, Bubba, he'd talk, and he'd, he'd shake in the chair and rejoice with the man. And all he had was like seven got the Holy Ghost in the last three months. But he was a little smaller church. And, but Brother Ewing made him feel like an absolute king. Amen. There is, there is, uh, and I don't know why I wore that point out, but they make, you need to look at somebody and say, when God blesses you, I'm going to be happy for you. Come on, when God gives you a raise, I'm going to be happy for you. When God gives you an upgrade on a car, I'm going to be happy for you. When you go from 1,000 square feet to 2,100 square, I'm going to be happy for you. When you get brand new furniture instead of recycled, I'm going to be happy for you. Why? Because I've been praying He would bless you. Amen, amen. Look at somebody next to you and uh, keep me up my monitors. We're going up and down. Just turn them up. We got lots of money here. If it blows up, we'll just buy new stuff. Amen. None of this. So I mean, keep my monitors hot, girl. Come on. That hundred dollars will go to it. Amen. Bless God. I ain't got but one voice. We got thousands and millions of speakers. Bless God. Amen. I ain't gonna get no amen, but don't mess with me. Hallelujah. Uh, Amen. So, so we got to uh, we, we we got to rejoice with each other. There's this. Um, so the point I was trying to make is is that that every every point in a parable and every little detail doesn't need to be exposed, or you miss the main point of the parable. The parable of the vineyard and the labors is, in short, a key component and an important ingredient for revival and revelation concerning the proper posture or attitude of every saint of God and believer. This thinking must be grasped concerning the church and those who are to be saved and those who are saved. The parable is the parable of a man that needed his harvest brought in and he's a laborer, uh, owner of a vineyard and he looks for laborers and he's going to pay them a penny a day which is equal to about 15 cents or 17 cents a day's wages for a Roman soldier. If you'll come work for me for the day, I'll give you a day's wages for a soldier. Now that was some boom shaka like a money. There's one. Somebody said I hadn't said it enough. That's one. 
uh, they, he picks and he hires people from the third hour, the ninth hour, the eleventh, uh, the, the the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the twelfth and the eleventh hour, right before the end of the day. He hires laborers. Every time he comes back, he finds people that are idle, not not lazy, not uh, sleeping in, but they're in the marketplace and they're they're kind of. I need some mucho grande money, some dinero. Muy bien, gracias. I need to work. <laughs> and I mean, for some reason, every time he comes back, he finds people ready to work, ready to be involved, people that want to be a part. Amen. And I see Ann back here. I was wondering if she was here. There she is back there, our beautiful, sweet little heart from, amen, from Danellen. And I mentioned to Pastor Varnum, Brother Jason Varnum about it, and he said they would start. He said their first contact was we was doing a block party. You can't believe how many people I've heard are upset at doing block parties. They're just brain dead. That's what the problem is. But anyway, you're doing a block party, and this little beautiful ninety or at the time eighty ninety one just recently ninety one year lady comes walking by a kid's block party and jumpies and you know and kool aid and you know I mean just all the stuff and the crazy stuff that we, you know it's just just cray cray and we say in New Orleans it's just cray cray and kuyan that's just crazy in the head I mean we just it's just crazy I mean you know you can't reach nobody doing that and here comes walking the ninety one year old mother just a few blocks away and and of course pastor is not like uh, these workers in the text. He he wants her to be involved in, and he tells her what's going on. And she says, I would like to be involved. That's what these laborers are. They are not lazy and just just uh, uh, no ingenuity and no want to. They're just, they haven't been invited. I wonder how many hundreds of people are about to be a part of this good man's house that that are wanting to be a part they want to be a belonger they want to be involved amen 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 and so Jesus is telling this and and uh, they're standing idle in the marketplace they were not there disposed to be idle but they were waiting in the proper place to find employers so they could be employed He's done it at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. And, and the labor, the harvest is so great. And the harvest is so grand. And the harvest is so wide that, that the many labors he's hired has not been able to get it all in. Though they've worked since the third hour and the ninth hour and the sixth hour of the day. They, they've worked, but they can't get it in. And, and at the eleventh hour, the owner of the vineyard comes back and says, I need more workers. And, and what's amazing is, is the only one he said he'd give a penny to was the first group. And the rest of them, he just said, whatever's right, I'll pay you. They said, yeah, boom, shakalaka, that's two. Amen, we'll go. He didn't mention anymore about the penny, the 17 cents. He just, I'll pay you. And okay, you know why? Because they wanted to be a part. They really weren't concerned with uh, all the bless me, give me, help me, uh, uh, I'm only in it for what I can get out of it mindset. They just said, hey amen, you need workers, we'll do it. He said, all right, go hurry. Get out get out there and work. And when it's all done, just trust me, I'm going to take care of it. They said, high five, baby, we out. And they went to work and, and, and everything was going on. But, but when it came time for payday, 
for the last group just an hour later. He started with the last. Paid them 17 cents. And it was all cool till he got to those that came first. And when he paid them the same 17 cents that he paid those that came in last. Now he's got a problem. Because they supposed that they should have been paid more. They had worked longer. They had been in the heat. They supposed that it was his intention to pay them, not according to contract, but according to time of labor. He said, I didn't do you any wrong. Did I tell you I'd pay you for a penny a day? I've done what I said. The attitude is to be exposed. It's a posture, a way of thinking that was in the Old Testament church because in the Old Testament, everything was to the Jew, for the Jew, by the Jew, with the Jew. Everybody else was outsiders. They were waiting in the marketplace. And and, and, and through the whole Old Testament, the whole world has been out of the Jew's mind. They were just dogs and little whelpers. And, and dogs in the, it literally means an investment not worth the price. I mean, they were the off-scouring. The Jews didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles, which was everybody else in the world. But what they didn't know was they were worshiping a God that wasn't just worshiping it, worried about the Jews. He was a God that was going to try to reach the whole world. Now God's got a problem. Because the people he's using only want it for them, with them, by them, and to them. But the God they're working for wants it for everybody. So God's got to work on a posture. God's, let me tell you, there's not a devil in hell. There's not a devil in city. There's not a devil in Florida. There's not a devil in the North America, around the world that can stop a church that wants to get their attitude right and reach the lost and hire the labors. I'm going to say it again. There's not a devil can stop the church. But I tell you what can. It's a wrong attitude and a wrong posture. It's another worldly or other system. It's of the world. James said it like this in James 3 and 13 and 18. Listen to the King James. He said, who is a wise man? This exposes the attitude of the church. James, the pastor of the church, speaks to the church. And we'll go to the mountain here in just a minute. Just stay with me. Uh, he said, who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation, which is lifestyle, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom that's full of envy and strife descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Envy and strife is sensual and devilish. For where envy and strife is, listen please, there is confusion and every evil work. This is James talking to the church, talking to saved people that are on the brink of having a great revival in the beginning. In the, in the, in the nine o'clock in the morning harvest. But he said, there's a harvest coming at the 11th hour. And he said, we got to nip this devilish, sensualist attitude of envy and strife right now in the early part of the church because the 11th hour is coming. 
And he's saying, we gotta nip this in the bud. We gotta, we gotta take care of this. But he said, the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable. Gentle. Easy to be entreated. Full of mercy. And good fruits without partiality. And without hypocrisy. That's the wisdom that comes from above. It's pure, peaceable, gentle, and easily entreated. Listen, say, folks, full of mercy. No partiality. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Listen, this is uh, uh, another translation. gets a little plainer. He said, do you want to be counted wise to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Verse 14, mean-spirited ambitions isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make you sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning, devilish and conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throat. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. Listen, I'm going to cut a bunch off both this. You can't even imagine how many growing churches and revivals I've seen squelched. Because the church folks couldn't get along. Now the simplest way I know to put it is there's enough folks drinking Haterade outside in the world. They cannot come in the church and feel and sense and hear the same thing in here that they hear out there. That's animal cunning. What is from above is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next or two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and with honor. And I got three more translations, but it'd make us all repent, so I'm going to stop. This is what the Jews had. They were haughty. And the worst of it was in the Pharisees. They were mean-spirited. Watch watch, watch the Pharisees now. Some men catch a woman in the act of adultery. My first question is, why was you looking? My second question is, where was the man? Because it takes two to do that. You can get quiet or just say amen. And these Pharisees, these Jew of Jews, these religious know-it-alls dragged this Gentile sinner woman, this outsider, and they, watch, watch, they throw her down at the feet of Jesus and with religious animosity and with hypocritical, pharisaical pride, they say. What you gonna do with this? 
Jesus has got two people. He's got this group of Pharisees. And he's got this outsider. He's got these first workers. But now he's looking at a potential last worker. And all he does is kneel down in the dirt and he starts writing. Somebody said, what did he write? Well, I'm not sure... Uh, probably he wrote down everybody's faults, but but can I go deeper? We're made from the dust of the ground. I kind of think he might have started writing, you were raped when you were little, and your mom and dad didn't take care of you, and your uncles abused you. I have a feeling he wrote in the dirt and touched her where she hurt deepest. And when they saw the reason she was like she was, he said, you that are without faults, start chunking rocks. And all you hear are rocks drop on the ground. The woman has not looked up yet. He finally taps her and says, woman, where are thine accusers? She looks up nervously and she says, they're not here. And the only one that could condemn her didn't. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It's an attitude that's superior. It's an attitude that is super holy and super religious. And, and when I use the word holy, I'm not talking about, amen, gender distinctive issues and all that. Please don't read that in there. I'm talking about a, a haughty spirit. I'm talking about a know-it-all, self-righteous, nasty, highbrow, nose in the air, looking down your nose at people posture. It is a me first, elitist attitude that some are better than others and that pedigree and ancestry and financial position brings one into priority. It is here that Jesus teaches the parable because the church must not accept the perversion of the Nietzschean thought, which is from Darwinism, that only the strong survive. We must learn early and remember often and we should all want to shout and dance about it. That God is no respecter of person. It don't matter who I am, who you are, who anybody else is. God doesn't look at people with favor over somebody else. See, I'm not getting a lot of amens because you think you're going to get paid more. You think you've earned a bigger party, but you ain't going to get a bigger party. There's only going to be one party, and everybody's going to be in on the same party. Woo! God doesn't have to have the elitist attitude to do what he's going to do or to do what he is doing. Hear me, Bellevue, and the ministries at Bellevue. God is not doing what he's doing with you and saving elderly people like this. And the lady next to her, uh, come here, mother, in the green top. Come here. Sit next to her. Come up here. Now, now, a couple of weeks ago, she was walking with two canes. They were wrapped around her wrist. Run up here, mama. Come on. See, I got one, two, three. I don't know if anybody's going to rejoice with her. 
I mean, now, 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 oh, glory. Thank you. Yay, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, my Now, what I want you to understand is God may have healed you 52 years ago, but just a couple of weeks ago, the same God that healed you healed her. Nobody touched her. She dropped her canes and ran the aisle. Now, I got pictures of it if you want to see it. I'm just, well, I'm just seeing that's where we're at. Well, I just, I just ain't sure. Well, how bad was it? Well, I mean, what did the doctor report say? Well, how, you know, I don't know. Miracle, one through ten, you know. All I know, she was hunched over. Them canes was wrapped on her wrist. And a little girl in the first song with Lacey was doing good, but it wasn't, you know, the 9,000 voice choir at Bellevue and it wasn't your fancy guitar playing or your boom shakalaka drumming. That's three. Uh, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't your groove. It wasn't your robes. It was just a little old church down in a little old town called Denellen, and a little bitty girl jumped up and ran up in the first song. I mean, we didn't even get a good sweat going. And, and she just ran up there and just in a few minutes, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And it ricocheted over to Mama. She got out of her seat and ran over there by her. About five minutes later, she started across the front. When she got to this side, she threw one cane down. And she ran around the building. When she got to the middle, she threw the other cane down. What I've come to tell you is God did it in the morning. But he's going to do it in the evening. And I'm going to rejoice about it. Come on, somebody. God saves his best for the last. Woo! We're going to see bigger revivals, Bishop. We're going to pray more people through in revivals than ever happened when you was pastor. That don't mean you was bad. It just means this is last. You can be seated. You didn't clap on that. He understands. I've seen churches lose the revival because of jealousy. I've seen revivals break out. Have 45, 50 people get the Holy Ghost and it beat the one they had 32 years ago by two and a half people. You're like, I don't believe that. My God. Back when I was in the church, we were really holy. We was wrong. I don't, I don't, believe, I don't believe you could ever pray more than we prayed through an audience. Wrong. The latter house shall be greater than the former. All we got to have is when the former becomes to be a part and partaker of that which is latter, you need to be shouting good because it's only as big as it is because you had what you had. See? I've seen it too many times. In the Old Testament, God uses Israel. But if he were going to use the elite, the superior, and the great, he would have never used Israel. Because the Bible says when he picked them, they were not a people. It says of them they were despised. But you need to get it. He when he gets ready to get his earthly seed, he chooses a people that are not a people. 
That's who he starts. He doesn't start with the Pharaohs and the kings of that day. No, 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 no. I'm going to use the nobodies. The shouldn't be here's. The ones that don't think they could. Brother Kleindence, don't be intimidated. Is this Zach? Zach, don't be intimidated by your dad. What a great friend he is to me in this church. But don't you let a spirit of intimidation get on you, young man. Because you don't jump around and you haven't seen all the words and got all the words yet. Don't, don't, don't be intimidated because the latter house is going to be greater. Amen. Don't let the enemy push you out and say, well, but you can't do this and you can't. The devil is a lie. I'm looking to some young men. Don't you get intimidated. Don't you feel like you can't be a part because you ain't got a daddy that was a preacher. Neither do I. My daddy, I ain't heard him loud pray. Amen. My whole life, but he does pray. I don't know where I get all this from. I feel so blessed to be here. I didn't have a pedigree, but I'm here. Come on, you got to get it out of your mind. Amen. God said, I'm going to start this thing out earthly, and I'm going to start with people that are not a people. Be seated. Don't you be intimidated, Brother Autry. Be yourself. Be passionate. Be pure. Be hungry. Be you. God doesn't need a superstar and rent a car. If he did, amen, they'd take all the credit. He just needs somebody that's happy to work with people that are last. Everybody that starts out don't start out like this. This wasn't this way 40 years ago, but you give it enough time and this is what you can have. Amen. I believe God's going to speed time up because we only got one hour left, but it's going to be the last hour. Moses, I'm going to use you. Because you are drawn out of water, you are my choice. You were born to slaves. You are the son of captives. You are despised, but I choose you. I draw you out to lead millions out when it was only 150 when it went in. One son had two sons who had 12 sons, who became 12 tribes, who became 12 nations. But they went into Egyptian bondage, 75 to 150 people. But after 400 years of bondage, that was part of the prophecy given to Abraham. You're going to have kids, Abe, but they're going into bondage 400 years. Be very careful how you judge somebody's Egyptian bondage. We want to talk about I'll bless them to bless thee and curse them to curse thee and I'll make thy name great and in thee shall nations and earth be blessed. But we forget that last one. Abe, when you start having these kids, they're going into captivity 400 years. A church that is a growing church cannot be condescending. And and I'm not saying you're that way. I'm preaching preventative maintenance. You cannot be looked down, down the nose at people because they have been in bondage. We were all 
born in sin. And just because you got out first doesn't make you any more valuable than the one that gets out last. Well, preach till I get happy tonight. Amen. You may have been in this 57 years. Don't look on somebody that hadn't got out yet. They're probably in this building because they want out now. And I got a word for you. The last shall be first. I find somebody and say the last are going to be first. Even of Jesus, he was a man. Listen, even of Jesus, he was a man despised and rejected of men. He is hanging where malefactors hang, which is a malefactor means it's the worst criminal of the day. The definition literally says a devil. He is despised and rejected. He's hanging in the place of a malefactor. But he is God's choice. He humbles himself and becomes obedient even to the death of the cross. And when they say, art thou the Christ? All he does is say, you said it. God didn't use Genghis Khan or Julius Caesar, but he did use a despised man. The good news of the church and the kingdom is that if you feel despised tonight, if you feel rejected, if you feel like you're on the bottom, if you feel overlooked, if you feel like your living has disqualified you, I've got a word for you. God's coming back one more time in this last few moments of this 11th hour and he's coming to the marketplace looking for somebody that wants to be a part. He's looking for somebody that wants to be a work, a toiler, a laborer. It don't matter who it is. It don't matter what you've done. Good to see you again tonight. Amen. You was in Denali. Glad you're here tonight. I'm just going to talk to you. Amen. It don't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These people got stories. If we blew their cover, they'd run for the door. They look all pretty, but you can put tuxedos on a pig and they're still pigs. Don't be intimidated by religious looking folks. Amen. Am I preaching good? Amen. You can't let the enemy say, well, it's too late and it's too long and you've been gone too long and you've done too much wrong. But the problem is, it's like I told some guys in jail one time, the only difference between you 200 guys in the jail and the millions outside the jail is you got caught and most of them ain't got caught yet. Oh, come on, you can say amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. What we want is we want you to know, hey, except for the grace of God, except for the blood of God, except for the mercy of God, there ain't no telling where any of us would be. But I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold of me. What was it? It was the spirit of the labor. It was the spirit of the vineyard owner saying, I need you. So Jesus begins to teach intently to these that will be carried over from the old system to the new that their attitude and posture will have to change in the kingdom. If you are going to make the transition, we that are in the church must learn 
that in here, everybody say in here, masters must become servants. I appreciate the young man that your son that came into the house this morning knocked on the door and all he did was pick up mama's paper and brought it in and laid it on the way home. Mama said, now when we get in there, brother, I need to find my paper. I said, mama, one of the young men's already got your paper. I know people and preachers and young ministers wouldn't come by the pastor's house to pick up the newspaper. Could they walk out there and get the paper? Sure. It's not the point. God starts at a very what seems like minuscule level. And he wants to see can you be a servant? Thank you for serving. Thank you. Thank you. All I, I mean, to touch the future. It's so beautiful to watch all y'all. Thank you. Amen. I know. I was, I was at Brother Mangan's it because times quite a few years ago and it's his house, you know, and it's, I mean, it's nice, but a nice size, but I mean, he's putting 150 people crammed in this front kitchen living room and move all the furniture out and pile it up in his bedroom and got all these hopty topty highbrow preachers in there. And then we got the youth departments in there and we got the young little wannabes in there, you know. And uh, they're in there and we, we have to tear down the tables to, to uh, make room for communion. And we set chairs up and they have a little service and he preaches. And Bishop Mangan at GA and Vesta, they had talked, Brother Tenney and some of the others. And they have communion and, 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 and we always have to get ready for it. You know, and we got to make a quick transition. And they got people from the church there. But, I mean, it, it's just slammed in there like sardines, you know. And I looked up and, and Brother Mangan, Anthony Mangan, is picking up six-foot tables and carrying them out. Sweats, and I'm, I'm back in the back. He said, you stand in the kitchen and watch. And I'm, you know, I'm connected so I get a little inside look. But I'm not one highbrow, but I look up and my pastor's carrying table and I'm, you know, I'm 41, but the devil's a lie. Yeah. Pastor ain't not in front of all these highbrows. Pastor ain't carrying no table. Now I'm going to knock somebody out. And I look at him. I said, Brother Mangan, let me have that table. He said, no, sir. He said, I'm going to serve. I'm a server. And I just said, I said, yeah, bad pastor. But the Lord looked at Peter and said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't get no part either. He said, well, that's good, but I'm going to carry this table anyway. <laughs> And I knew why he said, I said it loud enough because I wanted some of the young fellas to see it. I mean, if I was a young, I would never let my pastor. I said, oh no, it should have been three preachers grab that table. Should have been three young preachers there. And I said, wait a minute, I'm just glad to be here. Let me take that table, elder. You take care. And God said, in this you've got to learn. If you're a master, you've got to learn to be a servant. The only way we go up in this is you got to go down. So we're being admonished not to be elitist. We are to exhort and lift and serve. The kingdom is about how much we give, not how much we receive. The theologian Bingle says the attitude that is taught here is elect, in the Latin is electi electorion, which is the elect of the elect. Matthew nineteen twenty seven, Jesus gives the first, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. After Peter asked, "Behold, we have forsaken all." Now, can you see Peter? He's a you know, we have forsaken all, and we have followed thee. 
What shall we have therefore? Read. Next verse. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added, added nothing to me, Jesus said. You think you'd have boom shakalaka that four. He said, they seem to be somewhat in conference, added nothing to. Here's what he's saying. Peter, you may have left everything, but I left the throne of glory. You ain't left anything. You haven't sacrificed. I left. I put on the likeness of sinful flesh. You walked, so what? You walked away from fishermen's nets and your little nickel-dime operation you had. Okay, so some people don't like you. And I know you're worried about what you're going to get out of it since you have suffered so much. Next verse. Another verse? Amen. Okay, back in the back. So Peter, Peter's asking, this is where he gets the first... The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Is Peter is asking, what do I get? And the Lord said, in John I think he said, in this life you shall get a hundredfold. Plus life eternal. And he jumps into this parable because Peter who's going to get the keys to the kingdom, who's going to preach the first message on the day of Pentecost, has got a wrong attitude. And all he's worried about is since I've suffered so much, how much am I going to get out of this? What you paying? The Lord said, I'm going to bless you a hundredfold in this world. Plus you're going to get eternal life. Someone needs to listen to me. Well, if I get in church, what am I going to give up and what am I going to listen? When we get on the other side, if any of us make it, if we get on the other side and you find out something you gave up, you could have kept, you ain't going to be upset. Because when you look out the gate and you look down in that fire pit, where the worm dieth not and you hear all them screams coming up out there, you're going to be like, hey, it's all cool. You want me to tell you why they throw crowns down? Because we just glad to be here. I don't need no crown for soul winning or nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Come on, I'm trying to tell somebody, you don't need to worry about what you don't do and what you don't get and what you gave up. The devil is a lie. Hey, Amen. You're going to get a hundredfold better life now and you're going to get life eternal. Why? Because the last shall be first. High five somebody and tell them I'm going to get a hundredfold in this life. Let me finish. So Jesus is emphasizing that we must not get carried away with our giftings, our station in life, our political position, our religious status, your anointing. You know, I got to sit down for the last six months and heal. And uh, 
One of the things that hit me about four months into it is that the, the post kept coming. People kept getting the Holy Ghost without me. There was, there was miracles happening without me. There was new churches being planted without me. And, and the Lord knows, as honest as I could be, I've never felt like, you know, I'm anything. I mean, I'm preaching up here and I'm like, God, I'm... I'm a saint's kid. I was born to be athlete. You know, I'm, I'm preaching. But one of the things I learned the last six months was Greg Godwin, I don't need you. This thing's going to go on with or without. And it served for me to understand that I don't need to be in this to get anything. But I need to be in this to give everything I can give. The problem then is an internal attitude of ambition and pride within the matrix of servanthood. We must not miscalculate the place of service as a place to serve self. Don't compare yourself with rich young ruler types who won't give their all but only give to receive. Notice Paul was born out of season. The organizer of stonings. An enemy of the cross. A Jew of the Jews. He hated this Christian way. Until at noontime a light brighter than the noonday sun struck him down off of his beast of burden and his inner turmoil is revealed by his first question when he says, Who art thou, Lord? Because that was the struggle internally. And the Lord answered and said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. What he was saying was, when you stoning all these people, I'm living in them. And you're persecuting me by persecuting my body, these people. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, Paul. Saul. You're, you're fighting the will of God. And you need to stop it because you're not going to change anything, Saul. But you need to understand, I've got a system here. I used the outsiders. I used the people who are against me. Blinded by the light. You know what the Lord says? Here's what I want you to do now, Paul. Saul. I'm going to make you Paul. For you shall be called a minister and a witness. You stone masses. And you're full of hate. And you're a Jew of Jews. You're a Judaizer. But I'm fixing to change you. And I'm going to make you a minister. And I'm going to make you a witness. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a street called Straight. And there's a man there. He's going to be your pastor. So the key to this holy hookup is you never let anything 
get between you and God by letting something get between you and God's man. Because when God needed to explain the rest of the way to Paul, he said, I'm going to tell you where you go. I'm going to send you right to a preacher. Now, and and I've, I've just went everywhere and went a little long, but it's okay. He came in last. He was chosen last. Out of season. But he's here. Ann may have got the Holy Ghost seven days ago and baptized in Jesus' name seven days ago about right now. But she's here. God is about to, and here's the whole message, God is about to fill this church with last people. God's about to save people in Donnellan that are last people. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And when God is filling these last people, the job of this first church is to rejoice over these last people that are going to get the same reward that you are. You can be seated 20 seconds. I want a visual. Somebody roll up some of the... Well, we won't take them out of place. The, the pastor's wives that are uh, elders. Right back. I think this is one of the former preacher's wives. Who's, some, who's been in church longer than 50 years? You've been saved longer than 50 years. Would you raise your hand? Right here, 50 years. Anybody else? 50 years, 50 years. Okay, come on. Can I roll you? I can roll you, can't I? All right, come on, y'all come up front and join me. Come on. 50 years. I've always wanted to be one of them airport guys. Hallelujah. I promise you I could do it better than they can do it. Hallelujah. 50 years. This lady was a pastor's wife. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And a good one. Yeah. Come on, mama. 50 years? How many years? 17 to 3. I couldn't understand that. 17 to 73. Mm. Is that what you said? She don't look that old. Uh, you look like the boom shakalaka. That's five. <laughs> How long has she been saved? I've been, I came in 1945. 1945. Somebody do the math. I can't count. How many? 71. Let's let her sit right there on the platform. How long you been saved? Well, she was baptized carrying me, and I got the Holy Ghost when I was five. <laughs> First. <laughs> Did, Pastor's wife. May the Lord bless you. Can I say this, church? Thank you for honoring these beautiful ladies. Thank you. Husbands have gone on, but thank you for honoring them. These are great, great women. We got great churches now because 50 years ago we had preacher's wives. 
Okay, you can be seated. Who's had the Holy Ghost 40 years real quick? Come on, quickly. Run up here, elder. Come on back here, brother usher. Come on, 40 years. 40 years. Come on, quickly. You been here 50 years? Well, that's called saved. Why didn't you speak up earlier? Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Okay. Let's give honor to mama. She's been here over 50 years. Hallelujah. She's only 57. Hallelujah. And had the Holy Ghost 50 of them. 40 years today. You up my paycheck today. Hallelujah. 40 years today. 40 years. 46 years. 41. 45. You ain't that old. Hallelujah. 45. How long? 44. Who's had the Holy Ghost 30 years? Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. We had more 40s. How many 40s? 43. 43? 43. 43. Out of court, holy place, holy of holies. Hallelujah. How long you had the Holy Ghost? 41. 41. Hallelujah. Who's had it 30 years? Come on. Quick. Hurry. Hurry. Just come on up here. Come on. Look at you. 30 years. See how, Now, what I want you to see is see how it's getting bigger? The first group came in. It was just a few. But now we got 40. And then we got 30. Look at the 30s. And then we got 20s. Just stand up there. Come on, stand. 20s. Amen. 20s. Come here, Ann. Come on, baby. Help me. Can you, can you come one more time? Amen. Come on, Ann. Can you help me? Come on, baby. You look so pretty. Come help me. Come on, Mama. Man, my pastor, I got people responding, telling, hey, she's so precious. I put your picture all over Instagram. People are giving me boom shakalakas. That's six. Come here, Bubba. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. We've got to break you in right. Come on. He just, just, just coming back around. But Mama got in here and... 92 years old, just seven days ago. She turned 92. Amen. And it ain't going to be long. He's going to be in here with us. How many of y'all believe that? Come on. He's he coming in. Come on. Amen. And I got good news for you. The first are going to be last. But at last, are going to be first. Which simply means we're going to rejoice over him and her. Just like we rejoice over this mother of Israel. Get your hands up in the air. Bellevue and Danellen. There's about to be a revival of the last harvest in this church. Come on everybody lift your hands. Come on, young people, make your way to this altar. Let these elders lay hands on you. Let these elders lay hands on you. Come on, elders, lay hands on these young people. Lay hands on these men. Come on. Be gentle. That's it, Granny. Pray for them. Young people, get to these elders. Let them lay hands on you. This young man just got the Holy Ghost Friday night at the Youth Impact. The last shall be first. Rejoice with them. Don't be jealous and envious.
Come on, walk up to them. Come on, young people, walk up to them. Get up here to some of these elders. Eli, that's it, babies. Pray with them. That's it, children. Let mother pray with you. Come on, preachers, get to these kids. Get to these young people. Somebody needs to get to Zach. I've been really burdened for him since last week. Come here, Zach. Get your hands up. Let this pastor lay hand. Put it on him, pastor. Bishop. On Brother this. Come on. Come on. Get to these elders. Let one of these mothers lay hands on you. Yes, yes, yes. Come on. You need to get to one of these elders. They've been around this 50 years or longer. Put it up there for her. Let her sit down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, young men. Come on, young ladies. Come on, don't be too proud to let a new convert lay hands on you. Don't be too proud to let a new convert pray for you. They're getting the same thing at the end that you got at the beginning. Come on, Bellevue. You were not a people, but you're now a people. We were all rejects. We were all sinners. But now we're new creatures in Christ. Come on, love on them, love on them, love on them, love on them. Get some of these other young people up here to these mothers. Oh, Holy Ghost. Come on, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's the remaining few moments right before midnight, right before the rapture, right before eternal life. He needs you. Come on, get out among these young people. Get out among these young people. Pray with them. Come on. Come on, young men. Everybody put your shoulders to the wheel. Everybody into the harvest field. We all get paid the same thing. There's no big eyes and little U's in this. Everybody's needed.
Come on, Danellen. Everybody's here for a reason. You've been called. You've been chosen. God needs you, ma'am. You may have never been in church in your life, but God needs you now. He needs you right now. There's people only you can reach. He needs you now. Come on, he needs you now. He needs you now. He needs you now. He needs you now. In the name of Jesus, come on, right here. Come on, young young ministers, turn around here. Lay hands, lay hands, lay hands. Come on, lay hands. Be a participator. Be a come on, saints. Be a participator. You got the same Holy Ghost anybody's got. Come on. That's it. Come on. Miracle signs and wonders. Everybody's in the labor. Everybody's in the vineyard. Come on out of the marketplace. Come on into the field. I'll pay you what I'm paying everybody. Come on. Come on, there's some things being passed down right now. There's some things being transmitted. We've got a few minutes. There's some faithfulness that's being translated into somebody else, being transferred. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost moving right now. Go ahead. You know what you're doing. If you're hearing you got sin in your heart, go ahead and just give it to God. The Holy Ghost is about to come all over you. You just need to empty it out. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. 
and he loves you so much he's going to give you the same Holy Ghost he gave them at the beginning that's it just believe it and receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus that's it you just start talking to him you're going to find he's close here I am Jesus I need you go ahead talk to him come on that's it Come on, the Father's wrapping some people up. Let's let the Son also say, I'm glad my brother came home. I'm glad my sister came home. We're going to rejoice together. God is doing a work. Come on, that's it. I feel some faithfulness. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sister Campbell. Lay hands on some people. Go ahead, Sister Marisage. You can do this because it's bigger than you. God is going to help you. God is going to walk with you all the way through this process. Yes. Let those tears flow. That's it, young lady. That's it, young man. That's it, mama. That's it, daddy. Go ahead. That's it. Talk to the Lord together. That's wonderful. This is transfer. That's what this is. This is transfer. 
Some things are taught. Some things are caught. That's what's happening right now. There are things being caught in the spirit. There's mantles of faithfulness. Things are being caught in the spirit right now. Jesus. Come on, that's the Holy Ghost moving. There's some things God's speaking to your spirit right now that you need to cut off. You need to break rid of. You need to get out from under the influence of some things. You need to obey God. Obey God in the name of Jesus. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. You got to make up your mind. You're going to fight like a good soldier. That's what the Bible says. You're going to endure some hardship. If you're going to last, if you're going to stay all the way, you're going to have to fight through some things. Let some faithfulness be put inside of you. Come on, the devil loves to get you off track, get you distracted, get you in relationships that you know are not the will of God. Just stay away from that. Give it to God. Give your life to God. He's got everything you need. Thank you. 